This podcast was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit lifelanks.org. Have you had a good Christmas, a good New Year? Can you believe it's 2024 already? Are you ready for it? Kind of. Kind of. Well, hopefully this morning will help you a little bit more. And I want to say again, a really warm welcome to everyone this morning. If this is your first Sunday, if you're just visiting, if you've not been in a while, if you're here every week that the doors are open, and anyone else I might have missed, I want to say a really, really warm welcome to Live Church today. And everyone on the live stream, let's give them a wave. Come on. You could, uh, yeah, hopefully you can see some waving arms at you. So good. Well, well, this morning we're going to bring a one-off message at the start of the new year, which is aptly entitled, New. And we're going to have a look at uh, two verses of scripture from the book of Isaiah, this, this prophet, this prophet, this prophetic book in the Old Testament, these words that speak of prophetic hope. And what we're going to do as we look at those two verses is we're going to draw out two things that they teach us about God. Then we're going to ask ourselves two questions in response to what this passage teaches us about God. Then we're going to have some time to reflect and an opportunity, if you'd like to, to be prayed for today. So that's what we're going to do. A bit of an overview about where we're going. Does that sound good? Are you with me? Yes. Fantastic. So this is Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. So this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Now, you may have heard this verse before. These verses may be new to you today, but I'm going to read it one more time. And I want to encourage you to allow the words to really sink in at the start of 2024, to kind of picture the imagery. It's a verse just just so rich in imagery. So I want you to, to listen again. Here is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah thousands of years ago, and yet I think so apt for us at the start of this new year. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And I think the first thing that we can see from from this passage that it tells us about God is that God loves to do new things. That God loves to do new things. And, And my evidence for this from the passage is found in a combination of the word new and thing and the exclamation mark. So see, I am doing a new thing, exclamation mark. And you may have heard me say before, I don't think the Bible is over the top in its use of exclamation marks, unlike me. It doesn't throw them out left, right, and center. It's quite reserved in its use of exclamation marks. And yet here it says, see, I am doing a new thing, exclamation mark. Do you feel the sense of anticipation? Do you feel the joy? Do you feel faith rising up as you hear God say, I am doing a new thing, 
exclamation mark. So we see it in this one verse, but then when we zoom out and we consider the whole story of Scripture and the story of God and his people as it unfolds throughout history, we see that God loves to do new things. The beginning of our story, the beginning of creation recorded in Genesis is an example of God doing something new. He made something out of nothing. He birthed creation out of an overflow of love that could not be contained. Because God loves to do new things. When we see Jesus enter human history as the baby, as we reflected upon over Christmas, and the baby who grows up to be a man, and as we reflect on his life and his message and his purpose, we see that God loves to do new things. See, Jesus came to a people who were captive to a kingdom. And they were captive to a kingdom called Rome. And it was oppressive and violent. And those people, their ancestors had been captive to another kingdom. And their ancestors captive to another kingdom. But Jesus comes, because God loves to do new things, Jesus comes and he announces a new kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And this is a kingdom not of captivity, but a kingdom of freedom. He announces a new thing, a new kingdom, a new way, a kingdom that comes to bring freedom from sin and death, a kingdom that comes to bring meaning and purpose and wholeness and healing and community because God loves to do new things. We see that in this one verse, but we see it when we zoom out and we look at the whole story of Scripture that ends with this beautiful picture of the future that we look forward to. And at the very ends of the Bible in Revelation, we have this picture of God coming to dwell with his people. And it says that as God sits on the throne, he declares, behold, I am making all things, can you guess? New. Yes. See, God loves to do new things. It talks about a day when the sorrow and the suffering that we encounter here and now will end forever, when there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. And God declares, I am making all things new. I am taking the things that were old and aren't how they were meant now meant to be, and I'm making them new. I'm making them new again. I'm making them as they were meant to be because God loves to do new things. And we see that in this passage, and we see that throughout Scripture. And I think that's really important for us to focus on at the start of a new year. And I think a good question for us to reflect on in light of that is, are my eyes and heart open to see what new things God is doing? Are my eyes and is my heart open to see the new things that God is doing? To, to see the new things that he's got in store for us this year. In verse 19, it says, now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? Do you not know it? It's springing up. And it's a question for us to reflect on, I think. But you see, it's not a trick. It's not like one of those pictures. I remember these were really popular in the 90s, so I've just like, lost a third of the room, but bear with me and Google it later. It's not like one of those pictures like this one on screen where you had to look and really look. And if you really, really looked and you had the special gift, you'd go, ah, 
I see it. And I would stand there thinking, I still don't see it. What am I meant to see? What is the hidden picture within the picture? Does anyone remember those? This is just an example for those of you who are looking really intently at the screen. I'm not even sure if there is a picture in there. So don't waste, don't waste your eye energy, people. I could see you. I could see some really intense. But this is not, when, when God says, now it springs up, do you not perceive it? It's not a trick. God's not hiding things from us in some kind of, how on earth am I meant to see it? But there are sometimes things that cloud our vision and obstruct our view. And that's the question for us to reflect on. Are my eyes open? Is my heart open to see what God is doing, what he wants to do? Or is my life too full? Is there even space to consider the new thing that God might want to do? Am I just too tired? The way that my life is right now, am I just too tired to even entertain the idea that God might have something new that I've not yet seen? Have I become jaded by disappointment? So I just can't lift my eyes to the possibility that this year could be the year when the thing that I have been longing for comes to be. Or have I stopped believing because those years of disappointment have eroded my faith? Or can I see it? Can I see what God is beginning to do? Or do I find myself the opposite? Am I reading too much into everything? Do I see a sign in absolutely everything? And so I'm here and I'm there and I'm tossed around like the waves and I've got no idea what God's doing because I'm just reading too much into everything. Maybe we need to step back and listen to God this morning. Or am I distracted because I'm trying to force the new thing to happen? But God says, He's doing a new thing. So are my eyes open? Is my heart open to see that? Because when something new springs up, there's lovely imagery in this passage, isn't there, of organic imagery. I'm not a gardener, but there's that exciting time in spring, isn't there, where like the buds begin to do what they do. Do they bud? Do buds bud? And the spring, the shoots begin to shoot. Is that what shoots do? And and it just, it's the sense of like something's coming. And so when you see it, you can protect it. Make sure the kids don't play football next to the buds and the shoots. You know, when you see something, you can protect it and you can nurture it and you can feed it. So I think that's the question for us this morning. In response to the God who loves to do new things, the question for us is, are my eyes open? Is my heart open to see the new thing? that God wants to do. We're really excited about a new thing that we, we are involved in and sense God is doing in this, in this new year and want to let you know about that now. So, so later on this month, at the end of the month, we are uh, partnering with churches across the region to pray for Lancashire. That's a good way to start the year, right? And um, it's going to be 48 hours of prayer from 9 p.m. on Friday until 9 p.m. on Sunday. And we're going to be mobilizing Christians all across the region to pray for Lancashire, to pray for our communities, to pray for someone else's community, to pray for the whole of the region. And the way we're doing this is not, we're not gathering here for 48 hours. That would be a logistical nightmare. What we're going to do is we're inviting people to sign up to our slots of prayer. So you can sign 
sign up to pray for an hour of prayer wherever you are. It might be in your lunch break. It might be on a prayer walk. It might be when you're at home, on your, on your way to work. It might be you want to do one of the early hours slots. And um, we're inviting people to spend that time praying. And our aim is that that whole 48 hours across the region will be covered in prayer. And then we are finishing our time together, together in person. And so we're having one of our worship and prayer nights that we're hosting here. And we're inviting all the other churches to join us at 7.30 on the Sunday evening. And so we're inviting you to join in with this in the same way that we're working with other churches. And just so excited about what might come from a weekend of 48 hours. Our aim is uninterrupted prayer. I don't know if that means we're going to be doing all the early, early morning slides. Don't leave it to us, people. Um, But just so excited about the impact that that might have as we begin this year. And and an hour of prayer might sound quite daunting to you. And uh, I would just encourage you that maybe that's a new thing that God is inviting you to step into. You could buddy up with someone if the idea of doing it on your own feels like, I'll just get distracted. How could I do that? But we'll send info and resources and um, prayer points to everyone who signs up. And um, I know for me, when I've done something like this before, it's been a bit of a challenge, but it helped me encounter God in a new way. And I, I kind of thought, how, you know, like, am I going to be watching the clock? But the time flew by, and I experienced God in new ways. And so just in, we're inviting everyone to be a part of that. And so you can sign up to a, an hour slot of prayer, either at reception, because we're hoping like some of the, you know, lots of hours will be covered by lots of people either at reception or um, on an online link, which is coming out on E! News tomorrow. So we're really excited about that new thing. Anyone else? Yeah, come on. And um, I guess that's for us to reflect on, isn't it? Is this something for me to get on board with as a new thing, to see what God is doing? So we said we're looking at two things that we see in the passage about who God is. And then two questions for us to reflect on off the back of that. So God loves to do new things. So my question is, is my heart open and my eyes open to see the new that God is doing? But the second thing I think we understand about God in this passage is that he loves to bring life to the wasteland. That he loves to bring life to the wasteland. This is the metaphor of this passage. It talks about um, making streams in the wasteland making a way in the wilderness. And a wasteland is, is land that is unused. So it's either become barren or overgrown. It's not what it was intended to be. It's no longer what it was meant to be. And even, I don't know about you, but I think even the word is sad, wasteland. Like the land is wasted. It's not as it was meant to be. Because Genesis tells us that it's meant to produce vegetation and plants and trees. It's meant to bear fruit. It's not meant to be wasted. But we see in this passage that when the water comes, when the stream comes, it brings life. And that's what God loves to do. And sometimes there are areas in our life that metaphorically can feel like a wasteland. And I want to read to you an incredible story of an example about God bringing life to the wasteland. Now, I have read it once before, so uh, you, you may be hearing it for the first time. You are in for a treat. If you have heard it before, I ummed and I ahed, but it is so good. It's worth reading again. So this is just an incredible example 
of, in a very literal way, God bringing life to the wasteland. And so you may want to grab your tissues. I may possibly need one, but we'll see how we go. This is an incredible story about God bringing life to the wasteland. It takes place in northern Uganda around a decade ago, but it just incredibly exemplifies the the verse that we're reading about from thousands of years ago. So it's about some guys that went on a trip. The purpose of the trip was to learn from people who were empowering others to think entrepreneurially about how to lift their communities out of poverty. The projects, all run by local churches in partnership with the development organization Tear Fund, began the process by asking people a simple question. What resources do you currently possess that could be used to help alleviate suffering in your community? The standard answer at the start of the process was nothing. These people live in extreme poverty and experience its dehumanizing effects. Dignity gradually erodes, despair sets in, and hope for the future fades. I met an individual in this condition who had come to faith in Jesus and was beginning his journey from despair to hope, from doubt to faith. Though he had few possessions to his name, This man did own own a small piece of swampland. He didn't initially mention the land because it had become the breeding ground for mosquitoes, which meant malaria rates in the area were sky high. It's no exaggeration to say his land was literally killing people. It had become a primary cause of poverty in the community. So understandably, he didn't see it as a resource for overcoming economic troubles and bringing life to the area. Gradually, this man, along with his others in his community, started thinking differently about the swampland. He began thinking entrepreneurially. Eventually, a plan emerged. These people would try to dig a pond in which they could breed fish. It was a long shot, but they thought they would give it a go. So 20 men from the community started digging. For days and days, they gave their time and energy to digging in this swampland. Weeks went by with little progress. But after 30 days, they had gone deep enough to hit the water level, and the beginnings of a pond emerged. When the pond reached an adequate depth, the volunteer, volunteer workers began to breed fish. Before long, there was enough fish, fish to feed his family. Over time, there were enough fish to feed not only the landowner's family, but also many others in the community. And it gets better. He began to sell excess fish at a nearby market, generating enough income to send village children to school. That's significant since education is one of the key pathways out of poverty. Eventually, a second pond was created. And at the time of my visit there, more were in the early stages of being built. The income generated from the second pond was used to employ people to manage the ponds. And the vision for the next three ponds was to generate funds to construct suitable housing for community members. This swampland, this wasted land, 
that once contributed to extreme poverty now provided food for the hungry, education for the unschooled, housing for the homeless, and jobs for the unemployed. This is more than good news. It's incredible news, but it gets better still. The people involved with the project began to investigate why the fish were breeding so prolifically and what made the conditions so perfect for this certain type of fish. The answer, the fish were feeding on mosquito larva, which meant malaria rates in the area began to plummet. The land that had been killing the community was now bringing life. As I walked around the first pond talking to the owner and other community members, I was overcome by what looked like a snapshot of Eden in the middle of a lifeless terrain. The land was flourishing, but more importantly, the people were flourishing too. What an incredible example of what God loves to do to bring life to the wasteland. And actually a very literal example of quite a metaphorical verse. And that's where I want us to reflect today because it's probably more apt for each of us to consider are there areas in our lives that feel a bit like a wasteland? Are there parts of our life, parts of our story that feel like they're wasted, feel like they're barren in some way, feel like they're not meeting the purpose for which God created us? And maybe this morning we could open ourselves to the possibility that God might want to bring his life to those areas in our lives and in our story. And so if God is the God who loves to bring life to the wasteland, Here's the question I want us to reflect on. Have I dealt with the past so that I don't dwell on the past? Have I dealt with the past so that I don't dwell on the past? I wonder if the musicians could come and join me. You see, this verse says to, says to us, do not dwell on the past. Do not dwell on the past. But what should we do with the past? Because it's there, isn't it? <clears throat> See, I think we should honor the past. I think we should honor those who went before us, honor those who sacrificed, honor those who gave. You know, I, I think that when I, when I walk around this building, you now as a church, we started this building project 20 years ago. And nine years ago, we moved into this building. And very soon, we will finally be finished. That's a long journey. And so we honor everyone who, who gave to make that happen, who, who sacrificed, who lent money for periods of time, who navigated a tricky project, who persevered. Because we shouldn't dwell on the past, but we should honor the past. We should build on the past. And Pete talked about this a little bit last week, but it's been a real honor for Pete and I in our first year, 2023, of leading this community to build on the foundations of those who went before. Because that's what we should, we should build on the foundations, shouldn't we? We should use what's gone before as the foundations to move into the future, not scrap it and start again. And so we're grateful and we honor Jeff and George and all the other leaders in our over 100 years of history as a church for what they have built and we're building on that. You know, we should learn from the past, shouldn't we? Proverbs 26 verse 11 says, 
don't imagine it too much. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. This passage says, do not dwell on the past. But we should learn from the past. We should build on the past. We should honor the past. But don't dwell on the past. Don't dwell in the past. Don't make the past your dwelling. You're not meant to live there. It's not meant to be the place where you stay because we're invited to step into the new that God has for us. But sometimes... I think what kind of pulls us back into the past is that there's things that we haven't actually dealt with because it's not always easy to do that. But I think when we deal with the past, we can move on. I think that's something for some of us perhaps to reflect on at the start of this year. Is there something that's just pulling us back into the past? Because we haven't yet dealt with it. Because you know, there's the analogy, isn't there, of sweeping things under the rug. Some, a wise person, probably on social media, once said, sweeping issues under the carpet does not make them go away. It just makes you trip over them later on. And so maybe there are things for us to deal with so that we don't dwell there, so that we don't live there. You know, maybe that looks like talking it through with someone for the first time. Maybe that looks like processing thoughts and feelings and responses and reactions with God in prayer. Maybe that looks like walking a journey of forgiveness. Maybe it looks like expressing repentance. Maybe today it could look like seeking reconciliation. I guess my challenge for us to reflect on in this moment as we go into this year is, is there a part of my life that's dwelling in the past? So yes, we build on the past, we honor the past, we learn from the past, but we're not meant to live there. So is there something I need to deal with so that I stop dwelling in the past, so that I can fix my eyes on the new that God has in store for me? And just in this moment, we're going to have a little bit of a chance to reflect and respond if that's something that's moving us. And so I just encourage you in this moment, if you feel comfortable, perhaps just to close your eyes to give you space to to focus in and just listen to God and reflect in this moment. Maybe there's something that has resonated with you or stirred you this morning. Maybe there are things in the, that feel like they're in the way of you seeing what God is doing. If you found this podcast inspiring and helpful, then we'd love for you to get in touch via at LifeLanks on social media or our website, lifelanks.org. Life Church, impacting our neighbours, our nation and the nations with the good news about Jesus.